Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. We're so glad you are here. If this is your first time ever listening or ever tuning in, welcome. We hope you found a wonderful new podcast. This is a place where real women share real stories of real hope. And so often one story night speaker will introduce me to another story night speaker, which is the case for tonight. Uh, For those of you who have been following along for a while, you might remember one of the episodes very recently was Rhea's story. And Rhea has introduced me to Jana. And so Jana gets to share her story tonight. And I'm so excited for you to hear this, to be blessed and encouraged by all that God has done in her life. But before we start, Jana, welcome. Would you just give a, a quick introduction of yourself to the listeners? Yes, thank you so much for having me. So hi, everybody. I am Jana Brown. I am out of Webster, Texas, and I am a widow of two amazing teenagers. I like to call myself a dog mom as well. I've got two amazing dogs that I've adopted. We have a Quaker parrot, a fish. You can basically say I run a zoo, but uh, alongside all of that fun that goes on in my household, I'm also an entrepreneur. I've worked for myself since 2010, and most importantly, I love to impact women in uh, in many ways, so I hope to have that opportunity tonight as well. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to share your story, and I, I get to see your face and, and just see this young, beautiful, vibrant, energetic woman, but you said a word that's part of your story, part of your identity, widow, and so mm-hmm. often women who have been through the loss of their spouse, they're in a dark, heavy place, a lonely place. And so we're going to walk through your story and hopefully provide some, some hope and encouragement maybe for some women who have a similar story. Right. Well, we need to go back. We got to start at the beginning. We got to hear a little bit about your, your life leading up to your marriage and then uh, what happened after that. So I'm just going to hand it over and ask you to share your story with us. Absolutely. So, you know, thinking about this and what I was going to share and what I was going to start with something, the first thing that came to my mind is I thought about, you know, us as women, when we were little girls, you know, you can think about little girls and, and, and they all just kind of have this dream of this big wedding and, you know, marrying Prince Charming and the white picket fence and the, the kids in the house and all the things. It wasn't like a lot of women <laughs> growing up. I was an athlete and, you know, I just, I just cared about basketball. To be honest, I really didn't dream about those things and that that's going to kind of tie in t- to this whole thing. But parents divorced when I was 14 years old. And unfortunately, like they, I I didn't see a lot of love between them. They kind of got married because of of me and, and my sister. And so I didn't really have that, that modeled. And, you know, when my parents divorced and and just to throw this out there, because I have an incredible relationship with my parents. (laughs) There's nothing. um, My mom is like my best friend. So is my dad. So just to say that I don't want anyone to be like, gosh, her parents weren't you know, because that's not the case. But, you know, I understand now being older, you know, why my mom made the decisions that she did, but at the time and my dad, but at the time I didn't really understand that. And so I had a lot of issues with my parents. I didn't really have a lot of supervision before they got divorced and even after. So 
I quickly just fell into the party scene, you know, and I was just looking for acceptance and I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And so that led into some pretty heavy drug use. Actually, I've, I've experienced two overdoses and, you know, some DWIs and things before I was even 21 years old, as a matter of fact. And so, I mean, my thing was just clubs. It quickly went from basketball to clubs in the party scene. And it's amazing how God can use what Satan meant for evil for good, because if it wasn't for my drug use, I would not have met my husband. Isn't that crazy? So, so that's really kind of the beginning of the next chapter of my life was when I met him. You know, I just have to thank you for mentioning the maybe redeemed, restored relationship with your parents, because Mm -hmm. this comes up so often. So many women will tell their story and there's some hurt, there's some hardship, there are things from their childhood that definitely affected them, right? And so many of them have thankfully been able to find some forgiveness, find some reconciliation. Every story is a little different, but I think for anyone listening who maybe has some level of a broken relationship with their family members or were were scarred in any way by their childhood or by their upbringing that hopefully this just gives another little dose of hope that things can turn around, that those relationships can be wonderful in the future if they're not right now. So thank you for mentioning that. And as we transition back into picking up to your story, I love how you referenced that God can take what was meant for evil and turn it for good. And there's so many times we see that where something horrible happens, a trauma, just a a deep suffering, and then something amazing does bloom from that. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. No, absolutely. For sure. And, you know, I didn't, I wasn't raised to, I wasn't raised to know the Lord. However, I had amazing grandparents that I love their stories as a child, a little girl. I just remember I wanted to hear my grandparents' stories over and over again, because my mom's mother was a strong woman of faith, as was my dad's mom. And so I believe that they planted some seeds in me because I I was, so I was always, I had an awareness of God, but I didn't have a relationship with him at all. Satan definitely tried to destroy me. He definitely tried to destroy my relationship with my parents, but he makes all things new, right? And I'm living proof of that. So like I said, I I moved from just loving basketball and just that was really, I I thought I was actually going to play for a very long time, but because of what happened with my parents and other things going on in high school, betrayal by my best friend, just things that happened at a young age that I didn't have the maturity to process had adult situations happening to to me it's so young i didn't I didn't know how to process it so that's i turned to those things but like i said it it resulted in meeting my husband i actually met my husband on probation I was on probation and i was at a drug class in harris county and a, f- a friend of his was actually in the same class and we struck up a conversation uh, i used to wear my hair braided it was like alicia keys if you can remember how she used to wear her hair braided so i had my hair braided like that and anyway he just said hey my friend and i are looking for someone to braid our hair his sister was doing it but his sister can't do it for whatever anyway that's just how we met i i, I just remember saying okay you know if y'all want to come by pick me up bring bring a blunt or two like i wasn't i was so heavy into drugs that i wasn't going to do anything without drugs being involved so i was like just pay me in weed 
like that's that that was my life at that time. Funny, not funny, but I think I was 20 at the time. I don't really remember exactly how old I was. Anywho, so they they showed up. My husband literally walked through the front door of my dad's house. His name was Tremaine Montre Brown, but we all called him Treaty. That's how people know him. And I honestly didn't think anything of him at all. I just thought, who is this scrub? You know, whatever. I'm going to get some free drugs and move on. You know, I didn't think anything of it. But there was something about him. You know, we went over to his house and and I, he had some modeling pictures. And, and I was just kind of intrigued by his story because in his life at the time, he was backslidden. He had went through a horrible divorce. He was actually raised in the church. And I didn't know any of that, obviously, when I met him. But he was just in a very dark time in his life when I met him. And so when I saw these pictures, it looked like a very different time. So that just kind of calls me to like ask questions. And at the around the same time, God brought a woman named Lisa Cramp into my life. I was working at, uh, at the mall and she just, she came by looking for someone else and she ended up sharing Jesus with me. And she invited me to church and she really did not stop. She didn't stop at all. She just invited me and invited me. And at the same time, I'm still kind of getting to know Treaty, whatever. We're just doing drugs together, honestly. It really wasn't a, it really wasn't a healthy relationship at all. But I went to church June 8th, 2003. So Lisa would stop inviting me. I was like, okay, okay this woman is just not going to stop and asking me to church till I go. So I'm just going to go. And so I went and that was it for me. I got saved. Within six months, I was sober. My husband got saved. We were married. Next thing you know, I'm pregnant. Like literally that fast. God was like, okay, I got a job. Let me just clean this up real quick. And he and he did. And I I just remember pouring every bit of free time I had into into this Jesus that I that I recently met and got to know him at the same time, beginning to learn how to be a wife, beginning to learn how to be a mom. Because like I said, I did not see that growing up with my parents. They were just kind of co-parenting under the same roof. And so my husband, having had a strong foundation in the church growing up and having been married, my husband really taught me how to do those things. And he showed me what love looked like. He was an incredible man. He was a friend to so many. In fact, on Sundays, my husband would, uh, we would go see his mom and I would go in the house with the kids and he would just go you know, preach Jesus, you know, to his friends and he would catch up with his old buddies and anybody that was still kind of lost or living that life that he used to live. He would plant seeds in them. He loved his children so much. I'll, I'll never forget, you know, Treaty, if, if if the kids act up, he has two older children. And if they acted up, you know, he would talk to them for a long time. And sometimes that bothered me because because if I wasn't on my best behavior, he would talk my head off too. But but he was a great communicator is what I'm trying to say. And he really cared. He knew how to discipline with love. He knew how to guide me as a baby Christian in love. I didn't like it a lot of times. But now looking back, it seems like so much that he taught me, I learned later, which I'll get to. But I just wanted to really edify what an incredible man he was and, and, a, and the son that he was. And, you know, what he taught me, he taught me to love people unconditionally. My husband always talked about agape love. And I never heard that. Like I said, I wasn't raised in the church. I didn't really know what love was, what it looked like. But he showed me that. And he taught me that agape love was selfless. 
And it was the Christ-like love. And for me, I was such a baby and coming from extreme drug use and anger and, and all of the, the old Jana and coming from that to now Christianity, everything was so rigid for me. I felt like if it was wrong for me, it was, it should be wrong for everyone, you know, but my husband taught me that, that everybody's walk is different. Everybody has different convictions and what is a sin to me does not necessarily mean it's a sin to other people. And so, and so God was showing me these things that needed to be removed from my life. And funny story, I think y'all, y'all will like this. God was convicting me on the music that I was listening to. And I remember pulling up to his house. I don't even think we were married yet. I pulled up to his house and I was like, can't listen to this anymore. I think I was listening to some rap. I don't know what it was. But anyway, and I and I ran over to the garbage bin. And I dumped all my CDs. So now I'm telling my age. <laughs> I dumped all my CDs in the trash. And he comes out. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I can't listen to this. You know, and I'm, I'm like, God, I can't listen to this anymore. And he goes and he was like, there's R&B in here, Jana. Like, there's love in here. Like, not everything is trash, you know? <laughs> anyway, so he he gave me grace and he he did respect, the you know, my walk with God. But at the same time, he was trying to teach me that just because it's God showing you that it's bad for you doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for someone else. And so he was just amazing in all the things that he taught me. And it was a very amazing, but unfortunately brief four and a half years, four and a half years after we married, he was killed in a motorcycle accident. He passed away just shy of his 30th birthday. He was 29. I was 27. Michael was two and Eliza was about to turn four. Yeah. So my kids were, were two and three when he passed away and I was 27. So very, very young, did not expect that obviously. My response to that was, at first, I was so, well, first, I believe that God would heal him, first and foremost. By that point, four and a half years walking with Jesus and everything that God showed me in those four and a half years while he was alive, I fully believed we could go into that hospital, lay hands on him, and he would just come back. <laughs> you know, I really did. Um, but God showed me, you know, that that, that wasn't going to happen. He, he gave me a scripture before I went to the hospital, and that, that wasn't going to happen. But for the first maybe year after he passed away, I was so numb or at peace. I don't really know what to say, how to describe it, but I felt guilty for not being under the table, like withering away. Like I felt like I should be just heartbroken, devastated, torn up. But for a while I, I wasn't. And I felt guilty for that, like being okay with him passing and, and, at some point, I just switched to pure anger. And I don't know if that's the five stages of grief or what, because people would say, oh, well, it's part of the five stages. And I didn't really want to receive that because I just felt like that was going to bring something on me. I don't know if I'm making sense, but I just know that I didn't want to hear anybody else's input on what my process was supposed to look like. While at the same time, I was like wondering, why am I not totally destroyed? Not to say that I didn't care, obviously. I'm not trying to say that. I'm just trying to articulate how I felt, which is kind of difficult. But I was just numb. I was at peace. And I remember when I had my first drink after he passed. Like I said, I got sober. I, I wasn't on drugs. I didn't drink while we were while we were married. 
But the Lord said to me, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump, whenever I was about to take that first sip after so many years, and I drank anyway. And so that first drink led to anger, which led to me cursing God, which led to me having health issues. I shriveled down to a very unhealthy weight. My heart wasn't beating properly. My sister-in-law took my kids. I mean, things just went downhill really quickly after he passed away. And I still, through it all, managed to become a personal trainer. And even through that anger and all the things I was going through, I still had like an awareness of God, obviously. I still kind of knew in the back of my mind that could it run forever? I didn't go to church at all. I spent all my money. I was put on five prescription medications. I suffered a concussion as a result of, of my drinking. But through it all, God sprinkled so much grace, mercy, and love on me. Like I said, I was able to become a personal trainer. I mean, I did have to feed my family, you know, and, and provide for the kids. And I love fitness. So that's what I did. But through it all, like I said, God just showed me so much love and grace and mercy through it. And he did that through the form of some people that he brought into my life. So this is just kind of where, you know, he, he cleaned up my mess once and now he's going to get to do it all over again. <laughs> Which he's so good at, right? He is. He's so good at that. You know, I'm glad that this is such a real, authentic, raw story. That's the whole point of this podcast. So often we fall into the trap of believing things that aren't true. Like, oh, as soon as you're saved, life is perfect. Or once you find God and you get cleaned up, you don't need to do that again. Or that the grief looks the same for everybody and, and everybody should feel a certain thing for a certain amount of time in a certain way and, and respond kind of in this formula. Right. And none of those are necessarily true for each individual story. And so I appreciate just the authenticity, especially, I don't, I don't know how many other listeners will relate with that feeling of being guilty for not feeling a certain way. That seems to come up so often, no matter what the story is. And yet, God's not done with you. Mm -mm. He doesn't have a limit of how many times he can rescue or clean up or redeem. And he's about to do it all over again. Yes, that's right. And looking back, some people have said, you know, you needed the strength and the calm. Because I had to make some major, major decisions. I mean... When my husband and I met, I had no money. I mean, I had a job, but I spent it all. Uh, I lived with my dad. He was in such a dark place. He was actually living with his mom. So we had nothing. We had absolutely nothing when we started. But God would bless and he got an incredible job. He was um, head salesman at Clear Lake Conda. So he sold new cars. And if, if you've ever... If anyone, anyone who knows my husband knew, like this man just had a smile that, I mean, he just had charisma. He had people skills. Like he loved, like I said, he loved people, you know, and he would talk to anyone. And so he excelled at his job like really quickly, but still we were still, we still didn't have a whole, I mean, God provided, but we didn't have a whole lot. So with that being said, having to make some major decisions quick testimony on this because I got to provide some re relevance to it. We didn't have a whole lot, but my husband was smart enough to get life insurance. Okay. And we had such little money. We were always pinching pennies that I kept telling him to cancel it. I'm like, this is $40 a month that we, we need. 
And so I, for two months, I kept pounding him to like, have you gotten rid of it yet? Like, have you canceled it yet? And he's like, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. And guess what? That money is is how I'm sitting in the house I'm sitting in. He he never canceled it. And he was killed, you know, August 12th, 2008. And so God, you know, he knew amazing how God works because my husband woke me up one morning. It was probably two years before he died. He woke me up and he was telling me about a dream he had. And I was just like, please leave me alone. I was so tired, you know, and he's just like, babe, like you got to, you know, this dream I had. And what's, what's crazy. I mean, God really, he knows he wrote the dream down. I didn't know he wrote it down. My husband journaled a lot. And my sister-in-law found the journal the day we were planning his funeral. And my husband actually dreamed his death and wrote it down. He didn't know it was his death, but he called it my dream of peace. And he said, and, and I'll just shorten it for you, but he just said, um, I was on a motorcycle going really, really fast. And the front wheel went up. And when I woke up, I was surrounded by white clouds. And he said that he felt a way that he's never felt on earth. He said the clouds were like taking him somewhere. It was really bright. And he said that when he said it seemed that the clouds turned towards him and they all turned into white doves. And he said, I wish I could go back to sleep so I could feel that way again. That was the last line in that journal entry. And we found that the day we planned his funeral. I just feel like we have to pause there for a minute because I don't know how many other listeners just are crying or got goosebumps or just had the breath knocked out of them. That is amazing. I would imagine that even in the grief, that had to provide some level of just peace that that is what happened to him and that he was where he wanted to be and that it was so amazing and that God so cared about both of you to provide that and to offer that and to be so present in the details, even to the day it was discovered. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it gets even better. Two days before he passed away, he died on a Tuesday. Sunday, you know, like I said, we would go to his mother's and I'd go inside with the kids and he'd go out and he'd go plant his seeds, right? Well, it was time to go. It was late at night. I walked outside. He had two gentlemen that he was talking to in, at the end of the driveway. And I later found out that he told those gentlemen, if if you die tonight, do you know where you're going? Because if I die, I know where I'm going. And my husband was killed two days later. So his sister said to me, Jana, you know, that that dream was for us to know that he did not feel anything. Although they that they did provide some peace and comfort and all of that, I was still so angry with why was it so short? I mean, four and a half years, not a long time, but he gave me a lifetime of wisdom and knowledge and, and all of that. So I was 27 at the time. And, uh, you know, like I said, God started to really show his love, grace and mercy, even in my anger, even in my cursing him. I cursed him in his brother's church in front of everyone still drunk from the night before. You know, I mean, I really if God was going to pick someone to to erase their name out of Lamb's Book of Life, I felt like it, it could have been mine. You know, I mean, I just I had a I had a horrible had an affair with a married man. I mean, I was back on cocaine. I mean, I just went really backwards. But God brought a woman into my life 
named Charity Ellis. She happened to be my personal training client. It's funny, I was able to keep all that a secret. No one knew about all those secrets I was having while I was still trying to maintain this healthy facade of fitness and all the things. I was living in complete darkness and no one knew about it, but God knew. So he brought Charity Ellis in my life and I ended up getting back into church because of her. And um, God brought a, a woman in my life named Yvette McClendon, who became my mentor. She became like my spirit mom. I was still struggling with alcohol. You know, alcohol is something that up until five years ago, I'd struggled with. And I even got another DWI, even through all of this. But God, God erased that DWI. I won't go into all detail, but I'll just tell you that the recording of my arrest could not be found. So they pretty much dismissed the case. So it was, it was eliminated. And I was drinking one night. A friend of mine knew it. I went to start my car and it wouldn't start. The next day, my friend took me to start my car or to, to check on my car and it started right away. So God just, you know, he did all kinds of things. I could go on and on about all the things that he did to show that he still loved and cared about me, even though I was still trying to run from him. I ended up suffering from demonic oppression, not possessed, but oppressed. And that was a very scary thing. But God always brought people to help me. You know, it was my son's birthday and my sister-in-law and brother-in-law came. And God told me to tell them to stick around. There was something in me that said they need to stick around and pray with you. You need to have them stick around and pray with you. But I didn't. I, I said, okay, well, y'all can go. I'm going to clean up. Anyway, and so I'm kind of cleaning up and Mark all of a sudden walks back in the house and he said, God told us to turn around, we come back. And so they came back and prayed through and God lifted those demons off of me. But still, I was still struggling. I mean, it's just, I can time after time, God showed up. In 2017, I got arrested for cocaine. Kind of a funny story because I got arrested at my house. But God, you know, my kids didn't know my kids were safe. My dad bailed me out and I don't have any repercussions for that. It's not even on my record. But in 2018, that's that's when God finally delivered me from alcohol. And, you know, I say finally, because if you look through my journals, I prayed over and over and over and over and over again to, for God to help me with this. And every day in my journal, I just said gold for the day. Don't drink. But still, I was able to, you know, manage to take care of my kids. And it's amazing how good we get at hiding our secrets. No one knew these things. Everything I'm sharing with you, a lot of people are hearing for the very first time. And no one ever knew. Drug addicts and alcoholics are really good at hiding. We get good at hiding things. And so I was able to compete in bodybuilding. I was able to run a successful business. I was able to take care. My kids didn't even know these things. And I know it's because of God's grace and mercy. He knew that one day everything I was doing in the dark was going to be exposed for his glory. Now I get to share these things for his glory. And it's all because of him that I've been sober for almost six years. I was delivered in 2018. God spoke to me at church and said, alcohol will never touch your lips again. And it hasn't. And so this is the longest I've been sober since I was 14 years old. So I, I think God meant it when he said, alcohol will never touch your lips again, because alcohol is really what what caused me to do all the other things that I did, but I still wasn't all in. You would think after all these things, you would think, Jana, I felt like an Israelite. 
you know, I felt like one of the, you know, the Israelites who were just complaining. And even after God did all these things, like, why did you bring us in the wilderness to die? It's like, haven't you just seen? And um, it's funny as I say that, because I remember my husband teaching me Bible studies and I would be like, I don't understand them. How could they turn their backs? Like, this doesn't make any sense after all God's done. And it's, it's quickly how I got served with some humble pie there. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, well, none of us are exempt. But you know what? Jessica, it really wasn't until 2000. It was really last year. Last year, 2022, I just got sick of myself. And so I decided at the beginning of this year that I was going to be all in, that I was going to eliminate distractions, and I was really going to put Christ back on the throne of my life, back where he belongs. I was going to get fitness, and I was going to get men and I was going to get all money and all the, the the horrible thought processes and beliefs. I was going to throw all that away and just really get Christ back on the throne. But man, Satan, I was attacked heavily in, in February of, of anxiety. I was, I mean, it was so bad. It was debilitating. Even though um, I was delivered here recently um, in September of, of anxiety, just instantly on a Sunday morning in prayer. All that to say, everything that I learned from my husband about the Lord, God brought to life since the day he died. All the times my husband talked about agape love and forgiveness and all of that, God showed me all of that through everything I just shared. And I remember when I came to the Lord one time and I was like, man, am I going to have to stop doing this and stop doing that. Cause I thought I was going to have to go back to the way I was when he was married. I was like extreme Bible thumper, you know? And the Lord said to me, I don't want anything but a relationship with you. That's it. It's not about rules. It's not about do's and don'ts. I just want a relationship with you. And so I just hope that people listening will know and and really believe or have hope that number one, no matter what you've done, God still loves you. And no matter how you've responded to life's traumas and how you've responded to hurt and loss, the Lord is still there and he still loves you. And there's a bigger picture of it all. And we can't see it at the time. Since my husband's died, I've seen him three times. I've seen him in a dream. I've seen him twice in other ways. And the Lord has shown me that the bigger picture is salvation. We get caught up in all of the happenings of life and we get concerned about all of that and, and this, that, and the other, and that's part of being human. But because of what I've learned through this experience, ultimately it's about salvation. All that to say, two gentlemen were saved at my husband's funeral. And I know my husband, if God had sat him down and said, okay, Tremaine, you can stay on this earth or you can go, come home and your two friends will perish. Which do you choose? You want to come home and save your friends or do you want to stay here and your friends perish? Like he would have said, take me in a heartbeat. And so now I know that my husband's death, although very young, 29 when he died and, and, and all of that. I know that two people are, are going to be with us at the end. And that to me is worth it. I get to see my husband every day and my kids. One day I was in my feelings about being single 
And the Lord said to me, everything you want in a man, you have in your son. And that just kind of stopped me in my tracks. I was like, whoa. He said, but your son will never lie to you and he will never hurt you. And both of my children, they just ooze my husband in, in their own unique way. They are way less like me. And I'm happy about that. You know, my final message is really just one of grace and hope and forgiveness. And ultimately, God's going to forgive you. But I've had to forgive myself. And that took a lot of time. God casts our sins as far as the east is to the west. But Satan remembers them and he will bring them up. But there is therefore no condemnation to them who are in Christ. And so I choose to forgive myself. I choose to free myself of of bondage and chains and what I've learned, especially with taking that first drink after so long, is that a lot of the chains and a lot of the bondage that we carry, we we do to ourselves. And it's because we keep crucifying ourselves because of things that we've done. And that's not, it's not healthy and it's not truth. It's not truth. And so I just hope that anybody who's listening, who's who's going through grief of, of a loss of a loved one is, I hope that they can find peace and comfort in that. Ultimately, it's about salvation. Ultimately, it's about God's plan. And that no matter how you respond to that loss, you know, God's there and he is in all the details, like you said. One of the things that really stood out to me as you shared your story was how your husband was raised with faith had a season of his life where he wasn't walking with the Lord or had, had backslidden, the Jewess said, mm -hmm. then returned. And it sounds like was just on fire and oh, yeah. amazing leader, husband, father. You know, it's funny when we started this, I was thinking, oh, okay, hopefully this is going to really encourage some other, some other widows um, or some other people who have maybe struggled with drugs and alcohol and, and trying to find their way back to God. Now I'm also thinking of all of the maybe parents out there who, or grandparents or, you know, anybody who sort of planted the seeds of faith and a relationship with Jesus into the lives of their kids who maybe currently are not walking with God, mm. but knowing that there's so much hope for them to return to that. If you're out there listening and you've got a kid who is in the midst of drugs or something or finding somebody to braid hair in exchange for weed, Lord knows what might happen. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. And two, I have it I have it tattooed on my hand and I know the listeners can't see it. It says all things. And it's just to remind me every day. I'm left-handed, so I can't help but see it every day. All things really do work together for good. And my prayer every day is, Lord, never let me take your grace and mercy and forgiveness for granted. The day that I can just flat out sin and not care is a big concern of mine. So I just am like, I just don't, I don't want to ever take that for granted at all. Even though it's there, I just don't ever want to take advantage of it. And, and, I, and I don't think I can for what I've been through. Treaty wasn't the first son that his mother lost due to a motorcycle accident. He was one of nine children and it was her second, but she just stayed so faithful and so strong in the Lord. And sure, she cried her tears, but she never left and she never got angry. And his, his brother, his youngest brother said that the passing of his first brother, Big Cat, drew him away from God, but Treaty's passing drew him towards God. 
And so I just know that my husband left a legacy. He really did make an impact. His funeral was standing room only over 400 people uh, were at his funeral. I just hope that people will, like I said, just forgive themselves and uh, just try to find the beauty in what was left versus what's gone and and not camp out on what you don't have. Because one thing I've learned through, through my journey is gratitude will pull you out of some places versus focusing on what you don't have. When you start focusing on what you do have, your whole spirit will change when you go into gratitude. And I know it's hard, especially when you're in the thick of grief, but there will come a time when there will be a celebration of life versus a mourning of death. Those are such powerful and true words. Hopefully, listeners, you have a pen or a paper near you and you can just write a few of those things down. And it's so great to hear you tell your story because it's not like those things happened for you the day after his death. There was a long road and and ups and downs and some serious serious wilderness, some serious time in the valley before finding that. Yeah, he's been gone 15 years, you know, and thankfully my children are so on fire for God. My daughter anointed the house with oil yesterday. I, she was like, hope you don't mind, but there's some oil on the windows and the doors. You know, my, <laughs> my children are, uh, yeah, they, uh, they have the love of God that he had. And um, I'm just so grateful for that. Cause I think that's another picture. I didn't mention it, but my children are definitely another example of God's grace and mercy because st- statistically my daughter should probably be pregnant <laughs> and on drugs. And my son should statistically beyond drugs, but they parent me more than I parent them at times. So very grateful that God has protected them from my mess. They haven't been impacted from my decisions, which is a huge miracle and blessing in itself. Amen. Jana, as we close up, you've given so many amazing just words of encouragement throughout your story for women who have been through similar things. But I'd like to ask you now to pray for them. Sure, absolutely. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you for who you are, what you've done, what you're doing, and for what you will do, God. Thank you for this opportunity to glorify you, Lord. I just pray right now for all of the listeners, Lord, who just really want to get back to that place of love for you, but they're just so angry, God, and they're hurt and they're confused and they don't understand. I just pray that you reveal yourself to them in a unique and special way. I pray that you shower them with love and shower them with peace and answers, if it be your will, God, to the questions that they have. I pray that you protect them from themselves. I pray that you help them to forgive themselves, God. And I pray that you that they be patient with themselves. And I pray that they come to one day love themselves again. Because what I know when you self-destruct, forgiving yourself and loving yourself again is not easy. But I know that we can do all things through you, God. And I pray that 
the listeners don't have to go through what I went through and that they don't wait 10 years or 12 years to to come back and and start rebuilding their relationship with you. I pray that they have a renewed hunger in you uh for you. I pray that they come to forgive the ones that have passed. You know, it took me some time to forgive my husband for getting on that motorcycle. I pray that if if there be anyone listening that you know, had a spouse die because of their own decisions, Lord, I just pray that they learn to forgive them. I pray for their children. I pray that you use them to be a voice, to be a light, Lord, in a world that needs your, They everybody needs your hope right now. Everybody needs you right now. And I pray that you just take all things and make them for good like you always do, God. I pray your special hand on, on the listeners, God. I pray for Jessica and her family, Lord. Pray that you continue to use her. Thank her for this podcast. I speak against any attack on the enemy, against her and her family. And, and I just pray that you just continue to use her to help share your message, Lord God. Thank you for using me. Thank you for allowing me to be a, a tool, a, just a small tool in this big old world, God. And I just pray that you just bring the increase, Lord. I pray that we all come to learn to honor you in all that we say and all that we do. Forgive us for anything we did that didn't please you. And just to help us every day get out of our way. Less of us and more of you, God. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes, yes, and amen. Less of us and more of you. Yes. Lord knows if there's more of me, I'm going to turn into that. Six crazy psychos. <laughs> I'm like, the further I get from Jesus, the scarier it is. Let me just stay right here where it's nice and safe and fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Rhea, if you're listening, thank you so much for connecting us with Jana. And Jana, thank you again for telling your story, for reliving some of the, uh, the really hard things, um, for being so honest and for really speaking some life into the darkness for for listeners i know i know it will have an impact and ladies listening thank you so much for tuning into this story we hope that you were blessed we hope you were encouraged and we hope you come back next time for our next story good night y'all the story night podcast a ministry of calvary mac for more women's stories visit calvarymac.com women women